Dr. Marketing Tips, paging Dr. Marketing Tips. Dr. Marketing Tips, you're needed in the marketing department. Welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast, your prescription to the answers you seek to grow your medical practice easier, better, and faster. This show is all about connecting practice administrators and medical marketing professionals with peers working in practices, learning from experiences, making mistakes, and sharing successes. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast. I am Jennifer. And I'm Corey. And today we're going to talk about yet another area of marketing that COVID has turned upside down. In fact, we're going to talk about content. PR Week in May actually came out with an article that said, if content was king yesterday, it's emperor today. What do you think about that, Corey? I think that there's a lot of people that are freaking out (laughs) when it comes to their content marketing and marketing in general, and they just don't know what to do. And I mean, yeah, like COVID has changed the way that marketing works, especially when it comes to content marketing. And so when we're talking about content marketing, we mean things like events, patient testing, testimonials, your social media content, your videos that you're doing, it really has shifted the message instead of just being about sort of promoting your brand. And now content needs to obviously convey like awareness as to what's going on, but it also needs to have a little bit of sensitivity where it can really affect your audience's perception of your practice. Yeah. And I think that it's really relevant right now, especially because people at the beginning of COVID were at home and they're spending more time on social media channels and there's more time absorbing the content that's out there. I have a five-year-old niece and she often comes over and I'll babysit her. And it's interesting how she absorbs content. She doesn't want to watch Disney Channel or just play with her tablet or she can't play with her friends. So like we might play little games here and there, but she likes to get on the TV and watch kids related YouTube channels of people unpacking toys and playing with their toys. And literally they have little Barbie dolls and you see people's fingers like taking the Barbie dolls across the screens and she's absorbing if you let her hours upon hours of this type of content. And so I think content has become so much more relevant because people are absorbing so much more of it. Yeah. And one thing that I've seen too, there's been a little bit of a backlash from where we started in like, you know, March, April, where you know, a lot of the bigger brands, especially not only in, in healthcare, like hospitals, but you started to see this from car companies and wireless companies. And they all started to do this, like we're in this together messaging. And there's been kind of a pushback on that because it's not really like authentic. And it's almost like they're just saying nice things and platitudes because they have to. And I think early on, a lot of healthcare practices kind of got caught up in that too, because nobody really knew what to do. So obviously we wanted to acknowledge what was going on, but at the same time, we're not really sure what the message is going to be. So let's just do something that kind of says like, we're in this together. And I think now several months into this new normal, you have to pivot and you have to get back to the things that you know, like work and matter to your audience, but still be mindful of the situation that we're in, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted real quick to share a couple of stats I saw. It's from an influencer marketing hub survey. They interviewed 
about 250 brands, all different sizes. And just a couple of things to kind of chew on here. 69% of brands say that they're going to decrease their ad spend in what remains of 2020. So to me, that's not really content marketing, but it means that there is opportunity, maybe if you have the budget to actually get into some advertising there. So food for thought. Next step, 74% of brands are posting less on social media accounts currently. So that relates directly to content marketing because, and if you listen to the show before, you know that we sometimes talk about how if social media is real estate, it's almost all full. And so if brands are posting less, that means that there's a potential opportunity for your practice to kind of break through and actually reach more of your fans. So that's a positive that can come out of this. And then last that I wanted to share from this influencer marketing hub survey is only one out of four companies declare that they're increasing their marketing activities, which again means that there is an opportunity for you to either increase what you're doing or kind of shift and change, pivot what you are doing. So thinking about pivoting, some of the content that we're going to do, we're going to jump into some examples and things like that. Jen, I know you've been working on some referral marketing programs. Can you share a little bit about how those have changed and what you're doing right now? Yeah. Absolutely. So I work a lot in the orthopedic space and referral marketing with referring physicians is a big component for orthopedic practices. They get their referrals from PCPs and chiropractors and sporting organizations and whatnot. And really knocking on doors is no longer something that we do on a regular basis. So we've been experimenting with some events and some content that are directly related to establishing or deepening those referring physician relationships. So two things that we're working on right now, and I don't have any stats yet because we're just putting the programs together, but ask me 30 days from now how it went and I'll have some data to give you. But one is we have gone in with our clients and we've got some great camera equipment and we've taken the team in to do some recordings of surgical procedures lately. And we've got those recordings teed up and what we're doing is inviting the doctors to come in and voiceover with those recordings and make themselves available for a referring physician of So we're going out getting CEUs that we can offer to the referring physician community and then marketing these CEU opportunities to earn CEUs and to get an inside glimpse with the physician from the practice. We're marketing to the referring physician community. And so we've got one that I think is a scapula repair that you recorded with Josh a couple months ago. And then we've also got one coming up with, I think it's a hip surgery that you're getting ready to record. Is that right? Yeah, hip arthroscopic. Great. So then we're going to take that, turn it into a marketing campaign and then market to the referring physician community as a CEU event. We're going to start that as a free CEU and then we're going to end it as an on-demand for a small charge, which we're going to use as a fundraiser for this practice's nonprofit foundation. And then the second event that we're doing is we are reaching out, same practice, we've got a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, and we're going to reach out to, we've got a couple identified, but a large pediatric practice that has been in business that for a reputable amount of years that has the opportunity to be a referring partner. And we're going to offer to do a, like a webinar panel with their practice and this practice and then jointly market the practice shared across different social media events or social media channels. So the idea there being that together we're going to market an event that makes sense for both of our audiences. But what it does from a referral standpoint is it allows us to deepen that relationship. And what that really ultimately does is it gives us great content that we can get out there that will elevate the practice in search, in referral marketing, in social, in everything we're doing. And we're doing it all 
through the guise of creating great content. Yeah, and you got to remember too that the event is not the only piece of content that comes out of that, right? So there's going to be things that lead up to that to promote it. So there's going to be social media, there's going to be emails that go out to groups. And then after the fact, there's going to be whatever winds up there, like website posts, additional social media, etc. We actually did something a couple months ago with a fertility specialist that was very similar to that. The pediatric event that you're referring to is actually, it's going to wind up being like a Facebook Live kind of event. We did one through Zoom with a fertility doc and the event was targeted toward OBGYNs. So that's like his big referral base. And he put together a panel on basically like getting pregnant amid COVID-19. And so this gave him an opportunity, like you said, very much the same idea to reach out to the referring base and then have them get a chance to see him in action, get to know his personality a little bit, those kinds of things. But one thing that he did, I also thought was really smart was he invited an OBGYN to actually be on the panel with him. And that unlocks an opportunity to really get to know her very well, because there was a couple of pre-event meetings. And so all of a sudden, like through the planning phases of the event, you deepen this relationship and you've got an easy follow-up afterward, because now you actually know this person, right? Because you spent so much time with them. And so that becomes an immediately viable referral source. And so not only do you get to network a little bit in this sort of weird new virtual normal, but you also deepen these relationships, not only with the audience, but with the people on the panel. And it's pretty easy to put one of these things together. You don't need a lot of technical know-how. If you can run a Zoom meeting, you can run a panel. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of other events too. You did an event for the local MGMA, and I think you have another one scheduled. And then you've been doing some kind of work comp related events within orthopedics workers' compensation. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So a lot of these events, I mean, we're shifting from in-person to virtual events, but the purpose still remains the same. You know, the key is to bring these audiences together. And for groups like the MGMA and things like that, like they thrive off of those in-person meetings. So when they can't have those, they're not doing much of anything, unfortunately. So adaptability is key and being able to put these things out there. I mean, it's huge. So what we did was we took a meeting that they were going to have and we just shifted it virtual. So we turned it into a webinar. So we had members sign up. And then we opened it to non-members so they could actually pay a fee and then attend if they wanted to. So it acted as a little bit of a fundraiser for the group. But then we were able to enlist the help of the MGMA, the president for this local chapter, a couple of the affiliates so they could get some love as well. And we had a really good turnout. So looking forward to doing another one of those. And yeah, it's different and you miss out on a little bit of the networking component, but we're still able to further the mission of the group and, and offer this education and a chance for people to get some questions answered and things like that. So you know, overall, it's different, but a huge success. And we've got a bunch more of those coming up just around the corner. Are you ready to make marketing easier? Join Dr. Marketing Tips Lab to unlock awesome tools and coaching from the experts you hear every week on this podcast. Hi, my name is Christiana Oyunchi, and I'm the Dr. Marketing Tips Lab Community Manager. My job is to make sure you know about all the great features Lab has to offer and to answer questions you may have. Speaking of features, your Lab membership comes with tons of marketing templates, checklists, webinars, how-to guides, and even a monthly coaching call with Corey, Jennifer, and the entire Dr. Marketing Tips podcast team. Learn more and sign up at drmarketingtipslab.com. Dot com to streamline your marketing and kickstart practice growth today. 
That's drmarketingtipslab.com. See you in the lab soon. Yeah, share with us a little bit about the work comp events. You did the big work conference and then you partnered with somebody. I think there's an opportunity. I think a common theme I'm hearing already in this episode is the power of the partnership to create great content. Yeah, so we partnered with, with a group that has access to CEUs for specifically for work comps, like work comp case managers, nurse case managers, that kind of thing. And they, again, they need to bring an audience together and then offer some sort of value. So in this case, they were going to offer CEUs and so what we did is we partnered with them and then one of our clients and brought them a surgeon. And so what happened was there was a uh, physical therapist and then the surgeon and then the CEU sort of partner. We all came together, put this event out there for work comp case managers about an hour. And it's something that they would have done typically in person, in a room and had like hors d'oeuvres and things like that after hours one day, probably about 40 people max in that scenario. And we were able to do this virtually and actually got a better turnout because people didn't have to leave their homes or their offices to do that. So was it different? Absolutely. But was it effective? Yeah, totally. And we've got some other ones that we're planning on doing as well. And so again, it's another opportunity to just kind of take the cards that we've been dealt and make the most of them and be adaptable and flexible and lean on these partnerships. Yeah. And I think just like what you said, like we have to take the cards that we've been dealt and we have to adapt to make sense. Um, MGMA just put out out a survey that said that 87% of patients are rescheduling appointments because of concerns around safety. And this got us internally to talking about it because we've always leaned really into patient testimonials and telling your story through the story of your patients. And how do you do patient testimonials if patients are afraid to come in or interactions are cut down to basically the most absolute necessity of interaction? So you can't bring your camera crew in or get someone, a patient to do a testimonial if they're uncomfortable. So we've been turning a lot to doing patient testimonials using kind of the same technology we would for a virtual visit, but kind of leaning into addressing that fear that patients have around safety, dealing with the cards you've been dealt. We are doing patient testimonials that are showing a patient in their own words saying, you know, I went to the practice, I was a little apprehensive, but it was super easy. They dealt with that. They took my temperature at the door. I didn't have to wait. I only waited in my car on and on and on. So there's ways to adapt the traditional content we've always done and kind of adapt it to what we're going through right now and deal with the cards we've been dealt. Yeah, absolutely. So typically when we would do a patient testimonial, the thing that we would focus on is whatever the biggest benefit of the procedure was. So for example, just sticking with like the ortho idea, you go in, you have a hip surgery. After the hip surgery, you can walk again, unassisted, no pain, right? So let's talk about that. So the biggest benefit that I had from going to see Dr. So-and-so was that now I can go up the stairs without pain. Well, what we've done is we've sort of adjusted some of the questions and things that we're asking. So we're still focusing on that, but now we're also, we want to find out how the experience was, what was different, what was good, how did you feel? And what we're seeing is that those things really matter to people. And whether that's in an email or social media, they get very high engagement, very high click-through rates. And we are, instead of going into the offices to film these testimonials, a lot of them we've been trying to do through like virtual meetings or through Zoom. And one of the questions that we get sometimes from the providers is, well, what about the video quality? Like, I don't want it to look subpar. And there's only so much that you can do when it comes to video quality in this sort of scenario where you're socially distanced. And if you're trying to do it from their home, you know, a lot of it depends on the patient's internet
internet connection, the patient's webcam, those kinds of things. But what we're finding is that if the video quality isn't great, that's okay as long as the content quality is. So what I'm saying is if the message is still really good and they're conveying either the big benefit or how they truly felt about going into the office or the experience that they had, that's what really matters. And it's okay if the quality of the video isn't the best. And you can always ask the patient to send in a couple of photos or some video and things like that. And just a quick anecdote, like we uh, were doing one of these for a surgeon out of Kentucky and they, it was like a little old lady that had this testimonial and she was so excited to send in videos and clips and have her husband like film her walking around the neighborhood and stuff so it was engaging just to for her to do that probably more so than going into the office and you know planning to talk to her after a visit or something like that so it's just kind of fun different twist on the patient testimonial yeah and i think it goes back to reinforcing the safety protocols because we know not only did that survey that said 87 percent of patients would reschedule based on safety come from the mgma but we send out and we've talked about this the show before, but we send out thousands upon thousands of newsletters for our clients. And the number one click-through rate that we're seeing in double digit, number one across the board is all about the safety protocols. And so it kind of goes back to some of the kind of updates I've been giving to clients, especially this last month or so since that survey came out and we're seeing those numbers, is just because you think that you have shared what your safety protocols are on social, you cannot get enough of it right now. So those fun little videos that you're doing or showing your waiting room where you've got tape on every other chair or every two chairs or showing what six foot looks like or showing your providers in their masks. We can't get enough of that right now. And that's the kind of social content that we should all be putting out there. And it goes back to testimonials. You should be talking about the safety protocols in those testimonials because they're going to have a shelf life for this pandemic. And then we'll move on back to the way things work. But right now you have to address the elephant in the room and that is safety. Yeah. And if you put yourself in the shoes of patient, your safety protocols only matter to me when they matter to me. So if you shared some stuff or you've got a little pop up on your website or whatever, I've never seen that before because I don't have an appointment until next Wednesday. So it doesn't matter that you put this out like three times already on Facebook, right? And we hear that sometimes where sometimes a practice admin or one of the providers will say, you know, I keep seeing the same safety posts like over and over. I keep seeing the same content posted over and over. Well, and that's okay because it's the honest answer is it's not for you. It doesn't matter if you've seen it five times because the people we're trying to reach haven't seen it. So it's okay to post on social media that same cleaning procedure, photo or GIF or video or like whatever you've got. Something else that works really well is like showing smiles behind the mask or personality behind the mask. And I mentioned it earlier, but your content needs to convey a little bit of sensitivity and awareness to what's going on, or it will really affect people's perception of your practice. Like don't just ignore what's happening out there and sort of stick your head in the sand, which we've seen some practices do. And inevitably someone, especially if it's on social, is going to comment and say, oh, nobody's wearing a mask in this picture. You know, and even if that's a photo from two years ago that you're still using like on regular rotation. So you just have to kind of be aware of those things when it comes to posting on social and, and put your emphasis on safety. And I really think you have to kind of how you just said like, oh, nobody's wearing a mask in that picture. We have seen this. Yeah from content that patients are putting out there when safety protocols aren't being followed. And so it's not just the content you're producing, but people have more
more time on their hands. And they are also producing content. And if it's negative about your practice, expect it to have backlash. Yep, exactly. And that's one thing that has not changed during this whole pandemic, new normal kind of thing we're going through is social media gives everybody a voice and they're going to use it. That's right. So let's talk about webinars and and kind of wrap it up because there's a lot of different content. But I think the whole point of this episode is to share some of the different types of content. And sometimes it's hard to think outside the box. So hopefully we're sharing some ideas that you can take back to your practice. But this idea of webinars, and I think that we've talked before, but like certain pieces of content are the gift that keep giving. I always say that about patient testimonials. And I think webinars are right there as well. Could you expand a little on that, Corey? Sure. So I think webinars to a lot of people, it sounds like that's a complex thing to put together. But if you can run a Zoom meeting or a Google Hangouts meeting or whatever, you can run a webinar. They are, it's like one extra button to press. And then like we had discussed earlier, there's different pieces that go into that. So there's a little bit more coordination and planning, but the lead up to it's a little bit longer and then you're able to market that you're doing something. Then you have, let's say a 45 minute webinar you're talking about, the sick with the ortho thing. We could do a webinar about everything you wanted to know about a hip arthroscopic with the surgeon. And then when that webinar is over, we can actually take that webinar, cut it up into pieces, and then break it up, reuse it on social, on the website, on the physician's page, in email newsletters. We can take the audio and then get it transcribed and then turn it into a long form article. So now we've got a great new piece of content written SEO friendly for the website. And Jen, like you were saying, I mean, it's really the gift that keeps on giving. We can post that webinar on YouTube. And now we've got a new YouTube video that we can then embed on that nice long SEO piece that we just wrote, which is just a transcription kind of cleaned up from the webinar. And so out of this one webinar, suddenly we've got a new page on the website. We've got a YouTube video. We've got 10 social media posts. We've got an email newsletter. I mean, it just goes on and on. And another bonus with webinars is if you want, you can restrict these and just have people that sign up for them. So it's not just sort of like a free-for-all. People can just join. And if you're collecting a little bit of information, even if it's just an email, then you're building a list and you can market to that list later through emails or you can remarket on social media and on and on and on. Yeah. And I think that we've seen a lot of success with webinars. And if anything, I'm surprised about these companies that say they're going to pull back their marketing for 2020 for the remainder, because there's so many good opportunities right now and they don't cost a lot of dollars. They just really require thinking outside the box. And so I think that COVID has changed things just by forcing you to be a little different and think a little different. But, you know, going back to what PR, PR week said back in May, if content was king yesterday, it's emperor today. And so it's incumbent upon everybody listening to the show to think about how you can produce the kind of content that's one going to elevate you from a standpoint of everything that you're trying to achieve from your marketing and from your practice perspective, but two, meeting your potential patients where they are and providing good, relevant content to help them become better patients and to help kind of ease the stress of coming back to whatever becomes normal. Yeah. I mean, if you are providing value, your audience is going to appreciate it and consume it. So if you're not doing anything else or you don't have any ideas on like how to adjust and pivot your content, just provide value. Let them know what you're doing to keep them safe, help them get ready for their appointment, help answer questions, and you're golden. Absolutely. So great episode, Corey. I hope our listeners agree. And if you do agree, hop over to iTunes and leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. And I'm Jennifer. I'm Corey. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening to the DrMarketingTips.com podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out DrMarketingTips.com for our podcast resource center with all the notes, links, and goodies we mentioned during the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our show, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or review yet on iTunes, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our medical practice peers. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Doctor's Orders. 